welcome to the Happy Startup School Radio. In this series, we chat to our community. In this episode, Sophie Kramhoff hosts Christine Rain on The Power of Empathic Listening. Okay, so welcome everybody. This is a um, an extra special webinar um, because this is the first time we're trying this and it was on um, demand um, from the many people that went to the summer camp. Um, I also didn't manage to go to this workshop. I went to another one on the Sunday afternoon, so I'm also just as excited. So it was something that, you know, we had a few different choices for the workshops and some people weren't able to come, but they really wanted to go to Christine's. And so she agreed to do this extra session virtually like this so we could learn more um, and get to know and hear more about Christine and the work that she's doing. So. This is a superb thing. Um, I know that this is, you know, we've pulled this together. We haven't had a rehearsal. This is Christine using Zoom webinar. So um, I'm pretty excited. But the whole point is that we listen um, and we can ask questions um, and we can connect this way. So get settled in, get comfortable. And today's webinar is all about empathic listening. So that's going to be my first question. That was the title of the webinar, the title of the workshop. So what is empathic listening? Um, well, hi everyone and thank you for joining and just very briefly, sorry for the delay. <laughs> the worst part is it's not my first time using Zoom, but anyways, here, here we are. Um, Okay, so empathic listening, it's really interesting because it seems that listening is something that we all can do and that we're all born in a way being able to do in a, in a natural way. And yet there are various ways in which we can listen, right? And I'm sure you've all experienced that on the receiving end, having a very different sense of whether someone is kind of listening to you or truly listening. So empathic listening is a kind of very profound, deep listening in which we become attuned with the other person's feelings. It's almost like we're feeling with the person. Usually when we listen, we're waiting to respond or we're waiting to give our opinion. When we're doing empathic listen, we just kind of drop with ourselves with the person and are fully, fully present to what the person is saying. We're gonna get, uh, we're, we're gonna describe it further later on, but I think I'll say that much for now. It'll make more sense as, uh, as we continue. <laughs> so how is empathic listening a relevant tool for entrepreneurs and people on this webinar? I would say empathic listening is a tool for human, a good tool for human beings in general, right? Um, I think all of us strive and would agree that connection is something that fuels us, connection between human beings, having a sense of, of being fully understood, having a sense of being heard, um, and being able to establish that connection with another human being is something that is relevant in our personal relationships and certainly in our work relationships as well. I think more and more um, we're moving away from this idea that work relationships are supposed to be very serious and very structured and very, um, and people are appreciating 
getting a sense of of having a genuine relationship with someone even even if it's a work colleague so i think for entrepreneurs especially we have to wear a lot of hats we have to talk to a lot of different people in different contexts and being able to truly listen to what someone is saying understanding where they're coming from what they need is something that not only can give us very useful information but will also give the other person a, a sense of being really heard and understood. And that's something that people really, really appreciate and notice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so building that connection and trust. Mm -hmm. So um, I want to hear more about you, Christine, um, your background. Um, I've mentioned that you know, you're living in Costa Rica. Where did you grow up? Your connection with the Happy Startup School, where you're based today. Um, you know, just tell everybody all about you. <laughs> okay, I'll be brief. <laughs> um, well, I'm, I'm based in Costa Rica because I'm half Costa Rican, um, technically, but I consider myself being fully Costa Rican, you know, in the heart or, or whatnot. Um, one of my, my mom and my mother's family is completely Costa Rican and my father is all over the place. He, he has a US passport, but he was born in Mexico and raised in Brazil and lived in Costa Rica most his life and married a Costa Rican who is my mom. And um, so, so that's how I ended up here, <laughs> basically. But I think I've had, a, I've had a very unusual upbringing in that both of my parents worked in international development. And so I was actually born in the US, but when I was three years old, I moved to the Ivory Coast, to West Africa. And we lived there for four years, which I consider to be maybe the four most defining years of my life. Um, I don't remember that much, and yet I remember so many things about that time. And my parents were very into, I have a twin sister as well, so all of this journey was with a person that looks nothing like me and acts <laughs> nothing like me, and yet we're twins. Um, and I think having the opportunity to live in Africa and to travel a lot, because my, my parents were great travelers and certainly took us along, just um, made me very aware from a young age of different realities, different contexts, different cultures. And on one side, I felt very privileged and excited to be to be exposed to that to those things and and on the other i felt a, a great sense of responsibility from a really young age of somehow using my privilege to to giving back to the world to contributing in some way and so i think that that desire to contribute took me on a path um, later on in life because when I was seven, I moved back to Costa Rica with my family, and I didn't leave again until I was 19 to go to college in the States. Um, but I think that that very clear need for contribution paired with a very sensitive personality that until I found nonviolent communication felt like a baggage a lot of times. And I'm sure this is something that some of you on the call can relate to this idea of, of how can I be really sensitive and really empathic without it feeling like, like baggage, you know, like I'm carrying other people's baggage. And, and NBC is an amazing methodology to be, for you to be able to be an empath in a healthy way. So maybe that's something we can talk about later. 
Um, but anyways, I, in college, I studied international relations. I studied psychology. Later on, six years later, I studied medical anthropology. So I journey in the social sciences and in the work world that always translated into doing social justice work. So from being a political activist to working in peace education in schools to working with the government, with NGOs, with the Peace Corps, like a lot of different jobs, a lot of different things. And I think for me, landing on NBC was really a, a turning point, you know? Um, I felt like, like it represented before and after uh, personally and also for the people around me that I was working with. And so when I was working in, in the Peace Corps three years, was it three? No, two years ago, which was my last formal in the system kind of job. Um, I just started getting a really, really strong calling to experiment with nonviolent communication more. Um, and, and that's how I, I left the Peace Corps eventually. Well, I was a singer at the time also. So I also wanted to have more time for my band and for music. So I thought, you know, I'll experiment with NBC and, and I, you know, the same thing all the entrepreneurs feel like I want to be my own boss. I want to be free. I, I feel like I have so much potential and being in an institution or a systematized job doesn't explode that potential. So with that vision of having more time for music and really diving into NBC, I went full into this work about, about two years ago, even though Prior to this, I, I worked a lot with nonviolent communication in schools at another job. But that's kind of how I, how I got to where I am now. And, and just to finish perhaps my relationship with the Happy Startup School, so how did that happen? Um, well, I studied medical anthropology at SOAS in London. And that was about six years ago, but when my boyfriend, Sebastian, who some of you might know because he gave a storytelling workshop uh, at, the, at the summer camp as well, when he moved to London last year to study um, entrepreneurship, we had obviously a, t a ton of common in terms of, of just getting, but we did a master in London and I was really excited to go visit and he was super excited to have found a happy startup school. He felt it was super aligned to his vision of entrepreneurship and whatnot. So, so we decided to, to talk to Carlos and offer an empathic storytelling workshop. And it was really a very special experience for us because it was the first workshop that we did together uh, last June. That was last June. And, and from there, you know, a, a really beautiful connection began. So that's that's it i think and here we what are a fascinating story so i because i want to get the feel of um you know let's get back to that I have the picture of us sitting in the tent at the summer camp and and if we were doing that people would ask questions as we went along so i want to include the question that we've had from martin who says does your upbringing give you a more outward looking personality does this help inform your empathy I would say it doesn't give me a more outward personality. I'm actually quite an introvert, but it's interesting. My work requires me to be an extrovert, <laughs> but I identify more with being an introvert. Um, I think 
I think that I definitely learned tools to be able to connect with very different people um, from different ages, different background. Like, honestly, for me, when I see someone who's older or younger or from a different race or from another country, like, I, I have no sense of barrier. And, and I understand that that's like a really amazing, you know, quality to have and that it's very much because of my upbringing, you know. It certainly informs my my sense of of being able to to cultivate and empathy for sure because I think that empathy is about trying to understand others and trying to put ourselves in other people's shoes, right? And and it's easy to do that when we when we agree with the other person, but when people are living in cultures or doing things or saying things in ways that we truly don't understand that's where the beautiful opportunity is to really practice trying to understand where that person is coming from, what their story is and how that informs their behavior and trying to connect with that in, in any way possible, even if you don't agree with it, trying to, to bridge some kind of common humanity with that. So just a reminder to if anybody joined late, you can um, just submit questions via the, the Q&A. Um, this is the whole point that you can ask Christine whatever on top of your mind if anything comes up that we don't cover during the webinar. So before we go more into empathic listening and nonviolent communication, I also want to just make sure everybody understands what do you do today? So we've had the story about your past. What is your daily life like now? What's your world all about? What's your business? Um, well, I'm the founder of a social organization called Conversable or Conversable in Spanish. And what we do is we basically offer empathic communication services to people in general. <laughs> so one of the th I didn't know that I was an entrepreneur until I met Sebastian, to be completely honest with you. I just like started trying to do my own thing, had no idea what I was getting myself into. Um, and luckily I've learned in these two years that there's an incredible demand uh, for this kind of work. People are really needing some kind of guidance in how to communicate with each other, how to listen to each other, how to resolve conflict. Um, so that's a little bit of, of what we offer. I have a team of people that work with me as well but mostly as, as freelance consultants. So with, with the exception of myself and another assistant, we're the, the full-time people. Um, and we offer workshops, we offer, uh, how do you say, talks. Um, we work with companies, we work with the Vice Ministry of Peace and Justice here in Costa Rica with high-risk communities. Um, this year, we started consulting for the United Nations in Rome as well and, and working in Mexico with some NGOs over there. So it, it's pretty scattered. And I think a, an advice that I have received from people is to try to target uh, my clients and, and work with a more specific kind of context. But the problem with me is I, I just feel passionate in all sectors. I, I feel passionate working you know, in low-income communities, trying to influence high decision-makers. So it's something that I haven't been able to do yet, and I'm not sure 
if if I'm gonna move in that direction. But <laughs> that's what occupies most of my days right now is just um, attending to whatever comes our way, which luckily has been quite a bit in in the past years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So let's get into the you know the topic. Um, what is the main idea or essence behind and concepts of nonviolent communication or NVC as I think a lot of people also see it coming up in, in communications. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, so um, I, I want to be careful for this to not turn into a lecture style thing. And I'm going to try to be as brief as possible because usually I explain this in a much longer workshop. So I'm going to synthesize what I consider the main concepts. But I just want to ask you, Sophie, to feel free to interrupt me at any time if you saw that a question came up yeah. or you know, I won't take it personally. <laughs> um, so um, nonviolent communication was founded by Marshall Rosenberg about 40 years ago. And he basically took this idea of the pyramid of needs that Carl Rogers developed, that all human beings, we have needs, we have universal needs. And he translated those needs into a language, a non-controversial language in which we can communicate with each other in it from a place of connection. Okay, so what he brings to our attention is that usually human beings we use two types of languages. One of them is called jackal language. And it's a kind of language that alienates us from each other. Um, what is jackal language? Jackal language is when we express judgments, when we evaluate, when we blame either ourselves or other people, when we don't take responsibility. Um, so any kind of language that generates separation is what he uses the metaphor of jackal language for. Uh, the alternative is what he calls giraffe language. Uh, giraffes have the biggest hearts of all mammals and they also have a long neck that allow them to have a, a more ample perspective and perhaps put themselves in, into other people's shoes. That's the metaphor of the giraffe. And so that's the alternative. Um, giraffe language has four steps, the observation, the feelings, the needs, and the request. And he makes it very clear, and I think this is a really important point about using giraffe language or empathic communication. It's the same, it's the same thing, or nonviolent communication. They're all synonyms. He makes a point that it's very important for us to be honest with ourselves about what the goal of a conversation or a communication is. If the goal is to control or to get our point across or, or to even impose, which we need to do that sometimes when we're a boss or whatnot, we need to tell people what to do. It's not really worth trying to use nonviolent communication or giraffe language, right? Um, this kind of language is more time consuming. <laughs> it's more complex. So the idea is that we want to use this kind of language when our ultimate goal is to connect with the other person. That's our ultimate goal, right? So we even go into the conversation with a sense of curiosity. We don't know what the outcome is going to be. If you go into a conversation knowing what the outcome is, um, different kind of communication, right? 
So if you're, if you're willing to go into the conversation and really listen to the other person and express your, your viewpoint from a place of openness, then it's useful to use these tools, right? And perhaps to explain very brief, briefly what those four steps are, um, we can understand them by, by explaining each of them and their ghost, let's say. Um, so the observation, the ghost is the judgment or the evaluation. So when we make observations, we try to describe a circumstance or in a situation as specifically as possible, right? With no judgment, with no evaluation, as if we were describing a photograph that we have no opinion about, okay? So, you know, if, if I notice that, and you're not, but let's say if I notice that Sophie is, is yawning and she's looking the other way while I'm speaking, a judgment could be that she's not interested in this webinar, right? That, that's a, a judgment. And, and the way we know it's a judgment is both parties involved are, agree with it. It's a fact, okay? So you probably wouldn't agree with that, right? You might have your reasons or something might be coming up or whatnot. So how would I describe that in an objective and specific and concrete way? I would say, um, Sophie, the past five minutes as I've been speaking, I've noticed that you've looked the other way a couple times and I'm wondering if, you know, if something is coming up or if, you know, whatever. So, so that's what I try to be. I be as specific as possible. Then the feelings, the feelings. Wow, we are, <laughs> it's so sad, but we are so distanced from our emotional vocabulary. Um, and, you know, when we ask ourselves or other people, how are you doing or how are you feeling? We usually have four answers to that, you know, like I'm okay, I'm great, so, so. But feelings are, are, are so rich um, and there's such a value of being really specific with, with what's going on in us at any given moment, you know. Um, so NBC is really a practice that asks us to get in touch with, with our entire emotional range, right? To really dig deep and have a much more profound relationship with ourselves so that we can better express ourselves with other people and better connect with other people. Because if I tell you, you know, like I'm feeling bad about what happened, that really doesn't give you much information. But if I say I'm hurt, that gives you a better sense of where I'm coming from. If I say I'm angry, that gives you a better sense. And the same with positive emotions. We can say, oh, I feel great. You know, I feel good. It's been a good week. Okay, that could mean so many different things. But if I say I'm really motivated because this and this happened or I'm inspired because I went to a, you know, to a workshop and I learned all these things or my sense of belonging, right? So um, there's, there's a really important value in, in getting to know our feelings. And the very, um, let's say, important thing about our feelings in this kind of context is that our feelings point to our needs. They point to unmet or met needs. So remember I mentioned the universal needs that all human beings have. Um, needs are, are, 
are things that enrich our life physically and emotionally. And we all human beings, we all share the same needs. So universal needs are really the essence of nonviolent communication because we can all understand each other at the level of needs, okay? Um, oh, I forgot to talk about the ghost of feelings. So the ghost of feelings are thoughts, just very briefly. Um, so we tend to think, we'll say something like, I think you should apologize, or I think that's not right, or that's not fair. Uh, that's a judgment, right? So try to get into the feeling. What does that make you feel? And then with needs, the ghost of the needs are strategies, which are actually the way we fulfill our needs. So uh, we have, even though all human beings have the same needs and we can all connect at the level of needs, we have different strategies in how we meet needs, right? So we might all have the need for love. We might know we all have the need for love, right? But we employ different strategies to meet that need. For some people, it might be mostly through their romantic partner. For others, it might be mostly through their pet. For others, it might be mostly through friends or family, right? So those are the strategies. The way in which we fulfill or we satisfy our needs are the strategies. Um, and if you're a visual person, the way I think about it is that every need is a fountain of water and the strategy is in what direction we reach that fountain of water so there are infinite ways in which we can sat satisfy or fulfill any given need and that's one of the beautiful things about about nonviolent communication is that it allows us to translate what's going on in us or what's going on for other people into into something that is very deep and the essence of what's going on and then that can serve as a platform or a bouncing board to explore different strategies right but i want to make sure this connection between feelings and needs is really clear so when we have positive feelings they are reflecting met needs right so if i feel motivated it, it might mean that my need for recognition or appreciation is met if if i feel inspired it could be because my need for belonging and community is met um, in the same way when we have difficult emotions which are just as valid because they're giving us important information about our needs but when we have difficult emotions they're giving us information about unmet needs so i might be hurt because my need for understanding is met, is not met or i might be angry because my need for consideration was not met so that in nbc language is empathy connecting feelings with needs so when i apply empathy to myself i'm simply connecting with my feelings and needs i ask myself the question what's alive in me right now what do i feel and then i connect each feeling to a need okay when i practice empathy with others and this is where the empathic listening comes in, then I'm trying to understand what their feelings and needs are. I'm trying to look beyond the words and trying to understand what's really important to this person, right? What, what's beneath what they're saying, right? Because especially when people are angry or they're pissed off or they're emotionally charged, we can say all kinds of things. But if you're listening with empathy, 
you're trying to understand what's the need behind what this person is saying. What's really important to them, okay? And then the last step, the request, is when we finally ask someone for something, okay? So, so after we've set the observation and we both agree on the observation, um, we talk about feelings and needs, right? We, we empathize around feelings and needs. Then we come to the fourth aspect, which is the request. Um, understanding, now that we understand your needs and we understand my needs, and those are visible, how can we come up with something, a strategy or an agreement or a request that takes into account those needs? And the ghosts of the request are demands, right? So um, how do we know when we're actually making a request, when we're willing to hear a no? If we're not willing to hear no, then we're making a demand with pretty words or a demand that sounds like a request, but it's not really a request. So that's kind of a way to check with ourselves if we're actually making a request, we're willing to hear no. Um, so that's basically the, the four steps of MVC in an in a absolute nutshell and how that relates to empathy. So I'm going to stop talking now. <laughs> I, it's something that was coming to my mind because, you know, you mentioned that you do, you know, workshops and training and I can imagine, okay, you know, maybe you're working with a team together and they learn this at the same time. My question is, if people are learning this separately and then they go and start talking differently, do you see that people then mirror their change in communication back to them? Is that something that happens? I'm just thinking about the people on this call. Maybe they're, you know, they don't have their husbands, wives, partners, co-workers mm -hmm. also on this call. Does it yeah. happen, as I said, if yeah. they make this change, they start talking, they start sharing things. Does, does that mirror effect happen? I think it's unusual. I think if the person is someone that's very connected to their own feelings, and someone that is naturally empathic. I mean, we all have the capacity for empathy. It's, it's something natural to all of us. But some people are definitely natural uh, empaths, right? So if you're, you come and you talk in this way to someone like that, then they will probably mirror and, you know, and feel like, wow, yeah, like, I hear you. And, and, and let me tell you about what's going on for me, you know, and and that happens sometimes, but I think most of the times people feel like it's weird in the beginning, right? They're like, especially if you've talked your whole life in a certain way and all of a sudden you're like, John, actually, when you left the dishes in the sink last night, I felt really angry because my need for consideration wasn't met. He's going to look at you like, what the hell, you know? <laughs> And the same might happen with coworkers, obviously. So, I mean, one thing that's important about starting to use NVC and starting to move ahead in this path is being very clear on your intention for doing it, right? Because in a way, you're acting very differently and you're putting yourself out there in a way that most people are not, you know? For me, being vulnerable in that way and modeling emotional um awareness in that way is completely aligned with the vision of the kind of world i want to live in right but that allows me to have a lot of strength and resilience when i don't necessarily get the response that i would always like from people right 
yeah, but it's you definitely said, something that yeah, you can't go into this going, you know, oh, they're going to say X or Y if I do this, because then you're not doing it from the right place. Right, right, right. right. And, and, and I do want to clarify that a lot of people take the courses independently. You know, they don't take it with their, with their spouse or their co-workers. And it's kind of a seed that has been planted in them. And then they, they can decide, right? There's, there's choice, but people usually feel very inspired and very connected to this. And they want to go and plant those seeds and, and begin in that journey. Mm-hmm. Oh, Carlos has a question. I have a quick, quick uh, aside, but yeah, a bit related to this. Since that workshop that we did uh, in June, I've mm-hmm. been trying to employ a bit more of that, this type of communication and I while I haven't been expressing my needs in that clear way I have I found talking even like my personal relationships with my wife being able to express exactly what's going on uh, clearly rather than just saying I'm pissed off uh, or just walking around with a big grump on my face has and has actually rubbed off on her I think and we're having much better conversations about things that are happening rather than it being conversations at different levels and also mm-hmm. I think also at work now you know even myself and Lawrence uh, over time we've been working with Max um, just talking about what how happy startup school is going and kind of things that you know stuff that we have to deal with being able to talk at the same level because you're very clear about why why you're that you're feeling a certain way and then tying that round or trying to verbalize that as something going on with you rather than imposing it on people. It's just that this is where I'm at. I found it again, a way of having a much more efficient conversation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. There's, There's such a power in being able to be clear about what's going on with us instead of, how you were saying, walking around with a groan on our face or being passive aggressive, you know, when we're able to talk with such clarity, it's, it's very powerful for ourselves. It's very empowering, but also it gives such a sense of clarity for the other person. Like, oh, like that's what's going on for you. I had no idea, right? We tend to think like, well, the person should know what's going on with me. <laughs> but the truth is we we're all living our own reality and our own situation and most of the time we have no idea what's going on for the other person right so so there's such power in just that and being clear and thank you for sharing that mm-hmm. so i'm gonna now ask you um what did learning nvc mean to you as a person and and then also where did you learn this mm-hmm. Um, I learned NVC at a job here in Costa Rica. So um, there's a a project called the Academy for Peace. And and they work teaching this methodology along with heart math, which is heart math is about the biology of emotions. They teach it to teachers and kids in the public school system to help resolve conflicts alternatively. Um, so I started working with them maybe about 10 years ago. Oh my God, I can't believe it's been that long. <laughs> and that's how, I, that's how I learned the methodology. I, I very quickly became 
a trainer and then the, the program coordinator. So I was in charge of, of giving trainings to, to up to 60 teachers of the public school systems. And we're talking like trainings of one week at a time. So they were very in-depth trainings that because it has to be that way to really represent a before and after, right? We're talking about communication habits. Habits are things that are that are difficult to change. And, and these teachers are are immersed in such a difficult environment in, in public high schools and whatnot. And um, so that's where I learned about it. And for me to see the change in how skeptical the teachers arrived on the first day, because you know, they have to take a lot of different trainings and the transformation they had by Friday, you know, and how many tears had been shed and what a sense of connection between their colleagues and that they had never felt this way. And, you know, to, to facilitate that experience for other people and see the changes that it generated in them so visibly, you know, for me, it was like, wow, this is, you know, I've, I've tapped into something really, really powerful. It was quite shocking to see what it what it generated in others and then for me personally i think i've been a person that that has always been interested in spiritual topics um you know I, I, as i said a natural empath very very sensitive very aware to other people's feelings to my own feelings but i didn't really have a way to process them or digest them or integrate them in a way that helped me move forward a lot of times you see so so i think i i oftentimes would get stuck in in melancholy you know or in feeling like even vic like a victim or feeling like so many people in the world are victims right and this nvc is a language that helps us to to get empowered it helps us understand what's going on for us and what are strategies that i can explore to meet my needs how i can, how can i make myself responsible of my feelings and needs and take responsibility for my life you know um so to me it has represented another way of being in the world another way of interpreting other pe people's actions, um, even if I don't agree with what other people are doing, to be able to connect with them at some way, try to understand where they're coming from. It, it, it represented a complete before and after in my life. So that's why I feel so passionate about this work and it feels like such a privilege to be doing this because if I can facilitate even a little of what it has represented for me and 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 the tool that it has been for me to align myself with purpose which i think is something that a lot of entrepreneurs are seeking you know, we take big risks and move out of the system and get involved in things we have no idea and don't understand because we want to find our purpose because we want to be more aligned and have a sense of integrity and this is a language that that can give you so much to better understand yourself. And, and the way I've seen it, the more I understand myself, the easier it is to understand other people. So I, I, I wanna make that very, very clear. Oftentimes, and, and I would do this a lot, I would try to spend a lot of time understanding others or empathizing others and giving myself very little empathy or very little compassion, right? 
And what I have found is that if you develop the inward orientation of empathy, which is being compassionate with yourself, being patient with yourself, spending time understanding your feelings and needs, the, the part about the others, the external orientation of empathy becomes so much more natural, right? So start with yourselves is, is definitely something that, that I would highly, highly recommend is starting with ourselves. So we've got some really interesting questions coming up. So I, I think let's, let's go through all these different questions to make sure that we, we cover those um, in the next yeah, 10, 15 minutes. So we've got one from um, Natasha saying, this is the first time I'm learning about NVC, really interesting. And I would agree on that. I can see how this can work face to face, but how can this be translated to online conversations? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's a great question and a question that I get asked a lot given the technological era that we're in. Um, and my recommendation would be to, to try to start with face to face you know, to do as much as you can face-to-face, -face, even if it's through Skype, you know, um, even, even if it's through Skype, try, try the face-to-face -face first. And as you get more skilled, there's definitely ways in which you can employ this written in a written format, right? Um, usually what we do in a written format is we make an observation, we try to guess the feelings and needs of the other person. If feelings doesn't apply because it's a work environment or you don't trust that other person very much you can try to guess what the needs of the other person were in the in the situation to give them a sense of being heard or to at least make visible your intention of trying to understand their perspective as well and then we express how it was for us and then we make a request you know i'm wondering if you're willing to talk more about this or i'm wondering you know, if you're willing to explore strategies that could work for both of us. So it, it definitely can work in, in written format, um, but it does require a little more skill or becoming a little more natural with the language so that it doesn't sound so mechanic. Um, and that's why I recommend trying more the face-to-face -face, or at least with ourselves. We can do so much with ourselves as well. Mm -hmm. So the next question that we've had um, says, how long does it take um, NVC to become natural? And you touched on this and I know, you know, habits were ingrained, we have language that we use, automatic responses. So what's that sort of time frame that you'd say um, it, to sort of become integrated? Oh, I think completely depends on the person, you know. Some people just go to one workshop or even, you know, one, one of this, one webinar, and they just click with it, you know, they just get it and they start practicing. I, practice makes the master, right? So start with self-connection, connect with yourself, connect with your feelings, with your needs several times a day. And certainly when you feel emotionally charged or off balance, just create a habit of taking five minutes to connect with your feelings and to associate them with needs. Just that practice of self-connection is going to change your life. And once you do that, then the expressing, which is more advanced for sure. So ex using NBC to express yourself and, communi and communicate is an advanced skill, right? But the more you practice uh, self-connection and the clearer you are on, on 
feelings and needs, um, then it becomes easier to just integrate that into your conversation with others, become natural with that. But for most people, I mean, I would say, I, I saw that, that this person, Max, I, I haven't had the pleasure of meeting him, but that he's giving a workshop at Happy Startups. And I would definitely say if it's something you're interested in, try to go to as many workshops as possible. Surround yourself with people who are interested in this kind of consciousness, because that's the best way to practice is to create some kind of community around it. That's certainly what I did when I started Conversable, was to create practice groups and community around this consciousness and that has been like my way of holding on you know um in those days when you go out and you feel oh this is too hard like having community and having people who are committed to practicing with each other i think is is the best way to go about it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so we have a question from from catherine um any tips on how to stay present with your own needs and feelings while being impacted with what's happening with the other person Oh, I love this question. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, I would say, and I want to bring, bring, I want to go back into the empathic listening to, to respond to this question because we haven't really touched much on that except indirectly, but so what happens when we're empathically listening to another person? What happens when someone is, can you guys hear the birds? Yeah, it's lovely. There's like <laughs> some serious parrot like flying by. Um, <laughs> what, what happens when someone is sharing something painful for, me, for them and it's, it's bringing up feelings and needs in me, right? So I would say that empathic listening is this beautiful sacred balance of being completely present with the other person. What does completely present mean? Like, you know, eye contact, body language, you're not distracted with, with other things, you're nodding, right? You can even reformulate some of the things that they're saying to give them a sense of being heard, of being understood. But at the same time, while you're doing all of that, you're present for your own feelings. You're present for what that is bringing up in you. Um, and if it's appropriate, you can try to share that with the other person. You know, you can say like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm listening to you describe this painful situation and, and, and I'm imagining how hurt you must be feeling and and, and, and how much you were wanting to be heard in that moment or how much you were wanting understanding because that's what we do. We're like a mirror of feelings and needs. So we reflect back what the person is saying in feelings and needs language to help them connect with their inner wisdom. That's the idea that each person knows best what to do in a difficult situation. But sometimes they don't know what's going on for them. So we serve as a mirror that helps reflect feelings and needs for the person. And if the time is right, or if we feel like it, we can also say, you know, I feel so moved by what you're telling me. I don't, I don't even know what's right now, but I, I'm just so happy you told me. And, and I want you to know that I'm here for you, you know, and that I'm, that I'm listening to you or whatever. 
sharing that can be a very beautiful thing. And, and if you can't share it because you feel it's not appropriate or you don't have a level of trust, receive yourself receiving the other person. By being aware of your feelings and needs, even in listening to another and, and, and attuning yourself to them, it's like you're receiving yourself at the same time. Okay, I, I don't know if that's helpful or too abstract, but that's the internal sensation I have when I'm in that sacred space of, of, of empathic listening. Mm -hmm. So we have a question from Wayne. Um, he says, this seems very natural to me when you talk about it, but in day-to-day -day life, it doesn't always happen. If you had to give three practical actions we can take today to start developing this as a skill, what would they be? Okay, so I'm going to share with you guys a list of feelings and needs. Um, and I would say tip number one, start studying the feelings and needs list. <laughs> um, tip number two, practice self-connection at least once a day. If you can, several times a day, even better, but once a day minimum. Just connect with the feelings and needs list and ask yourself the question, what's alive in me? What are the feelings? And for each feeling, identify the need. Be, be organized about it. Like first the feelings, get in touch with those feelings. And for each feeling, go to the need, right? So that's self-connection. And then the third thing I would say is that when you notice yourself getting pissed off at someone, when you notice yourself off-center or emotionally charged, ask yourself the question, what do I think is the need for this other person? What's going on for this other person? What, what, what is important to them in this situation? Most of the times we evaluate people's actions on how these actions affect us instead of the meaning that these actions have for them. So try to connect to the meaning for that other person. And those three things will help you kind of put on these glasses of the giraffe or the empathy or put on the giraffe ears with yourself and with others. And I think little by little, you're, you'll start noticing some very powerful changes. Thank you. Oh, Carlos. Have you got a question? Well, I just wanted to add on to that is one of the, an exercise in this, one of the tips about was having understanding the the having the language describe the emotions and the needs and the and the feelings but also being able to practice that is one thing that i've been doing is three times a day you kind of describe what are you doing at the moment what feelings do you have that you sense from that whatever you're doing and then trying to tie that to a need as a way of identifying in your day, what stuff, A, what stuff is giving you energy, but also as a kind of a, as a, as a, uh, a habit of trying to identify or, or use that language. So I thought I'd just share that as a, as a simple approach. I love it. So we've got a couple more questions that I want to make sure that we answer in the last few minutes. I want to make sure that we finish as we come up to the hour. Um, so Jemima asked a question. Um, she says, are requests as important when a need is being met as they are when they're not being met? Yeah, sure. <laughs> I think requests are a way to celebrate our interdependence. You know, we, 
we have been taught in 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 the society that we're living now either explicitly or implicitly that being self-sufficient is something to take a lot of pride in you know um being individualistic i can take care of my own needs i can do my own things i don't need to ask people for help or for support and i think that comes at a great cost i so for me requests have been a really powerful way of being humble on on one hand and recognizing that as human beings we we support each other and we help each other to fulfill each other's needs and we also do it for ourselves but there's nothing wrong with asking for it but there's also something beautiful really beautiful in making a request not only when we have an unmet need but also a fulfilled need you know it could be a request for connection how do you feel when you hear me say this or how was it for you i want to hear about your experience that's a request for clarity so even something like that i think is just a way to celebrate human connections and interdependence. Okay. And then we have a question from Yuki. I think that um, at the camp, I noticed that people who attended your workshop had a business card with the needs written on it. Is it possible to get that sent to us? Also, there was a list of requests to meet our needs. Wondering if it was possible to have a copy of that. And I think you touched on that. So, um, and he says a big thank you. Yeah, sure. What I can do is I can, I can't send you the cards because I think that might be a little bit complicated but um i can send sophie after the call some key assumptions about nbc consciousness that my teacher wrote that i think are a beautiful way and reminder of just what are the assumptions that we make when we look at the world in this way right because we're making assumptions and so i can give you the key assumptions i can give you a paper that summarizes the four steps and I can give you a list of feelings and a list of needs so that you can do that exercise that Carlos was talking <laughs> There's the card. Carlos is demonstrating the card. So. But put it, put it in your, next to your bed or on your fridge. Have your kids talk about it. Have your wife talk about it. Make it a thing. It can be a really awesome way to connect with, with everyone. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we've got the last. Is there anything that you want to close on, Christine? I mean, I've loved listening to it. I think this could easily go on another hour. You know, there's so much content and topic, but is there anything that you want to close on in the last couple of minutes that you want to share with people? Um, I guess I, I would just like to reiterate that this is a beautiful, beautiful path to connect to your authentic self and to have more meaningful and connected relationships with others. But it's a difficult path too, right? Um, it's a path that requires vulnerability, that requires a lot of honesty and a lot of practice um, and making mistakes, right? My, my teacher says that the path of nonviolence is the ability, the, the courage to, to speak our truth with love. Courage, truth, love the courage to speak our truth with love and i just love that you know i feel like that's that's what it's all about um and little steps can make a huge difference so get familiar with those documents find a workshop connect with people who want to build community around this i'd be more than ha happy to offer a longer webinar um in the future if people are interested in that 
So that's another thing that we can think about to build community, even through Skype, and it can be a way to model how we can connect with each other and our work teams who might be in different places um, from, from what we create together. Mm -hmm. So thank you. So this webinar was brought to you by the Happy Startup School. And I, I just want to point out, you know, this is a service that was given. And if you're not a member of the Happy Startup School, please do join. Um, I think I joined six, seven months ago now. I can't even remember how I found it. Um, but I, I found my tribe and the fact that you have a Slack group and you can just connect um, the summer camp, um, made so many new friends and just knowing that I have that support. So I can honestly say it's, it's, it's well worth being part of. So do that. Um, so thank you to Christine for stepping up and responding to the overwhelming request that we had from everybody at summer camp to do this again. Um, thank you to Carlos for putting this together. Uh, we will make the recording and the material available to you all afterwards. Awesome. And I'd like to say, we, if, it feels like there's so much more that we can learn from Christine. And I, I'm going to send out an email later to find out if anyone is interested in doing more workshops or online, whether it's a longer webinar or we can do a series of stuff. But uh, I'd, we'd, we'd like to use your wisdom and see if people, if people want that, see if we can actually put together a package that people will find useful. Brilliant. And thank you for all. I mean, I've been reading the positive responses as we've gotten here. So thank you. Okay, it's now nine o'clock in Copenhagen, um, eight o'clock in the UK. I'm not sure what time it is for Christine. I think it's two o'clock in the afternoon. 1pm. 1pm. Okay. Well, enjoy your rest of your afternoon and then everybody else enjoy your evening. Thank you very much. Thank you, thank you so much to you, Sophie. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Thanks.